Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the next Pats podcast. The horns are blaring. You know what time it is. And you know what week it is. It's Mac Jones week here on the next Pats podcast. He is your starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. Patriots release Cam Newton. Mac Jones elevates to the number one slot. Did he even need to elevate? Was this a competition at all over the course of the summer? You know it was because you followed along with us. But a fascinating, fascinating storyline. The fact that Mac Jones, somebody that we've been talking about here on this podcast, you've been hearing about this player here on this podcast since well before the draft, he is now going to be the Patriots starting quarterback in 2021. What does it mean? Well, lucky for you, lucky for me, we're bringing in all kinds of massive brains on this topic this week because it is such a huge topic. So we're welcoming in ESPN's Lewis Riddick. You know him well, Monday Night Football. This guy is all kinds of tapped in, and he is a tremendous evaluator in his own right, and he has been on the Mac Jones bandwagon since the very beginning, even dating back to before the draft, before the Patriots selected him. Lewis, also the perfect guest this week because he played for Bill Belichick. He understands how Bill Belichick works. We're also going to be bringing in Josh McDaniels and Troy Brown, Patriots offensive coordinator and receivers coach. I was able to ask both of those assistants to Bill Belichick about why they feel comfortable with Mac Jones as the Patriots starting quarterback going into this fall. Some really insightful and interesting answers coming from both McDaniels and Brown there. But first, 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 we got to get to Lewis Riddick. So let's get to him right now. All right, very excited now to have with us Lewis Riddick, ESPN, Monday Night Football. You know him well. He's a must-follow on Twitter at ESPN. And if you've been following Lewis, you know Lewis has been on the Mac Jones bandwagon for months and months. Lewis, thanks for being with us, man. How surprised were you, though, to hear that Mac Jones would be QB1 here in New England this week? To be honest, I wasn't surprised that he was QB1. It was just the manner in which the subsequent move was made in terms of Cam not being there, but, you know, and then letting him go ahead and go somewhere else or do whatever else that he, he felt as though he needed to do. And that, you know, at first that really grabs your attention. I mean, that that's big time. That's a big time move. But then when you kind of sit back for a minute, let the excitement of it all kind of wear off a little, you kind of can understand there's a number of different reasons, maybe why that happened. Obviously Bill hasn't alluded to any, and we all are left to really just kind of like speculate as to why he did that. But just from a pure team building standpoint, there's a number of reasons why you could understand that maybe happening that way. You know, maybe it's Cam's desire to not really want to be a backup after having, you know, fought so hard to try and be the starter. Backups have to have a different mentality, man. It really is a servant type loner mentality where you're not getting any attention, taking no reps, and you have to stay self-motivated. And that's not to say that Cam isn't that, but that's not for everybody. And 
I don't know, maybe Bill didn't like that kind of mixture and the way that works. Maybe he sees Brian Hoyer as being better. There's a number of different reasons. But for, for Mac himself, look, man, I, I said I don't think anybody should be surprised that he played the way he did. He did that at Alabama. He's known for being that cerebral, fast-thinking, risk-averse, but at the same time calculated in terms of the big shots that he takes type of quarterback. And last time I checked, that's what wins in the NFL. So I'm happy as hell for him. This is classic Bill. Let's, let's get the season started now. You mentioned classic Bill, and I want to read a tweet from you because you've been hearing yeah. from coaches on Mac Jones. You tweeted yesterday, said this in the months leading up to the draft. There were some coaches that I totally respect that thought Mac was the best quarterback in this draft. Yeah. Now you can disagree and many did and still do, but how he played is exactly how you should have expected he would play when it comes to what you're talking about, these traits, decision-making, timing, accuracy, that feels like what Bill Belichick wants at the position, right? Yeah. That's what, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when you get, as you lead into the draft, okay, which is where the debate about Mac and all of the naysayers really started to descend on him. It's usually because it, that, that's a time where everyone gets enamored with physical traits. They get enamored with height, weight, speed, ball velocity, all that kind of stuff that really kind of deviates from, well, I shouldn't say deviates from, but gets further away from what are the core principles of football and in particular quarterback. And, you know, in this case, at quarterback, it's always been about decision-making and accuracy. It always will be about that. Everything else is a bonus. It just is. Now, there was a lot of quarterbacks in this draft who make spectacular plays with their legs, but what is going to separate them from the rest and put them in the category of being elite is can they make good decisions and can they be accurate with the football? It's really that simple. And Mac has shown he can do that. The other thing I said was, look, people wanted to bash on him about, well, he had all these wide receivers and these weapons at Alabama and he was always throwing open windows. You know, when people say that, that just tells me right there, you're not watching you're not watching tape. You're just not. And you're not watching it very close. And if you are watching it, either you don't know what you're looking at or you already have a preconceived notion about what Mac Jones is and you refuse to believe anything else. So what, what, did he do, what did he do this preseason, right? He's throwing people open as people love to use that terminology. He, can he throw people? Yeah. His first preseason game, what did they do? They go up-tempo, no huddle because he was, you know, things were kind of a little bit sluggish for him against Washington. Josh goes, let's just go up tempo. We'll see how this works. There's five wides. It's empty. And they're just like, zoom, zoom, zoom. You don't do that with rookie quarterbacks like that. No other rookie quarterback was doing that. That just tells you that I'm sure right there, along with all the practices that you watched yourself, that Josh said, man, the, the limit, there, there are no limits with this guy. And that's what Bill wants. Bill wants smart, man. I know I've lived, I've been through it. Bill will take lesser athletes for guys who won't screw it up. Because he believes over the course of three hours, three and a half hours, whatever, however long a football game takes, teams will do, they will give you an opportunity to let you go ahead and win the game. And as long as you don't lose it, you have a chance to win it. And I'm t- those kind of things, everybody, as much as people give Bill a ton of credit, and they should, because the guy is the greatest coach of all time, all right? He just is. But he thinks about the game in very simplistic terms that I don't understand why other people just can't get their minds around because it's actually pretty simple. What does he tell you guys all the time? 
we have to block better, tackle better, run better, catch the ball better, coach better. We just have to be better. Heard that. Yeah. And he says it just like that. Like, he's not saying something that you can't get your mind around, but we try to make it so much more difficult. And I'm sure he sometimes, if I'm wherever he's at with that boat of his up there in Nantucket, wherever he's at, I'm sure he's kicks back sometime with Jimmy Johnson and those guys and goes, I don't understand why people make this seem so hard, but we do. And that's why as long as people keep chasing their tail like that, that's why whenever he decides to be done with this game, he's going to, he's going to like up until that point, he's still going to be considered the greatest of all time simply because of that. So much of it comes back to fundamentals with him. He talks with us about it all the time. He even, and this is why, this is why it's perfect to have you on the podcast this week, Lewis, because we have seen the scouting wish list that he's put together all the mm-hmm. way back in the 90s when yeah. you were with him in Cleveland. Yeah. And what does it say under the paragraph for quarterbacks? It says, have to be fundamentally sound, have mm-hmm. to throw accurately, can't be sloppy, all the things you're talking mm-hmm. about right now. But mm-hmm. for you, we have to ask you, because you have this experience with Bill, you mentioned risk averse for Mac. This seems, I think, like a risk tolerant, an incredibly risk tolerant move by Bill Belichick because he's going with the rookie because you're starting week one with the rookie. You don't have the veteran now behind him that you feel like you can lean on. What does this move tell you about Bill Belichick? Maybe what does it confirm for you about Bill Belichick and his approach to his decision-making for his team? Yeah. Well, let let me backtrack then and say this. I I don't mean it to be, you know, when I'm talking about um, Mac, when I say risk averse, I'm not Mm. to say that's not to say he's conservative. I guess I should just say, look, he, he just understands when is the right time to cut it loose and probably live on the edge a little bit? And when is not the right time? When is it not? He, he, so he understands that. So I guess that's why I say he, he's smart when he takes his risks. As far as Bill and this being a risky move for him, well, I, again, I think this goes back to, you know, him being someone who's been quoted as saying, you know, you can call me a lot of things, say a lot of things about me. The one thing you cannot say is that I'm scared. And, and people would say, well, yeah, you can do that after you've won six Super Bowls and played in nine of them. And, you were, you know, th- that's easy. Well, in Bill's first, well, in his second year in New England, he took a big giant risk with Tom Brady and didn't, re- and didn't insert Drew Bledsoe back into the lineup. And he hadn't won any Super Bowls as a head coach yet at that point. And this was a football team, right? I mean, everyone knows in 2001, that wasn't just kicking the crap out of everybody they had to grind through that season in order to get to that Super Bowl in New Orleans against the greatest show on turf and win it. So he's never been scared to do it in his, in his time in New England. He showed that again with this decision to put Mac in there. He wasn't scared to do it back in Cleveland when I was with him there. I remember being there. I had only been there for a little while when they cut Bernie Kosar. And he had that press conference where he said, look, this is really just about diminishing skills. And we feel as though we need to make a change. I mean, Cleveland was ready to riot. They were like, you can't cut Bernie Gozar. Bill was like, the hell I can't. And he did. And he cut him. So, I mean, it, it's like he doesn't – he's one of those guys who believes wholeheartedly in his fundamental base as far as how football should be played and how football decisions should be made and how players should be developed. That that kind of thing – it really doesn't seem as though that kind of doubt creeps into his mind. And this is obviously the case with this young man with, with, I mean, with Mac, he has the benefit of having great insight on him from Nick. I was with them both. These guys are very similar in terms of their no nonsense approach to the fundamentals of the game. So I'm sure like there were things that they talked about that maybe other coaches didn't get a chance to talk about as far as, you know, what made Mac, who he is that Bill had unique insight into. 
And, and you know what? I think the fact of the matter, though, really what it comes down to is this with Bill. He never really loses sight of what it takes to really play the game at a high level, regardless of how the game changes around it. Okay, whether it be, you know, the proliferation of 12 personnel, two tight ends, two wides, and how he kind of really brought that into the mainstream right now. You know, the, the, the adoption of really going up-tempo and going no huddle and playing real fast. You know, teams started following him in that way, building your team strong down the middle, having great middle linebackers and safeties and centers. People started trying to do that kind of thing too. I think the thing, though, that Bill just always remembers, though, about football players and the kind of people he wants on the football field is you have to have a great capacity for receiving information and being able to use it. And I will take that and I will weigh it against your physical traits and I will accept less from a physical standpoint if you can give me more from a mental standpoint because he believes that that's what wins. Smart football wins in the NFL because of how tight the competition is. And it's not like college, right? You can't just out-athlete people in the NFL. You can't do it. And that's what he's showing you right now. And that's not to take anything away from Matt's physical ability because, one, it's undersold. He doesn't get enough credit for his athleticism. He doesn't get enough credit for his arm strength. And he is going to make a lot of people get out some either some whiteout or erasers or whatever and go back and redo a lot of their draft evaluations. Go, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Oh, I liked him the whole time. Oh, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because people got hung up on all the things outside of how he plays the game and didn't pay enough attention to what really makes this young man tick. And look, I'm rooting like hell for him. I, I really am because I love guys like this. I love people who can win with their mind even more so than just their physical ability. And he embodies that, man. And this is going to be – look, you guys are going to have a blast this year. You're going to have a blast. You have something to talk about every freaking day. So that's cool. This team is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Lewis, the last thing I want to ask you about, Mac, though, is this. We know it's about championships here in New England. We know it's about yeah. championships for Bill Belichick. Can this be a contending team this year with Mac Jones at quarterback? Sure, it can. You know, and because of the fact that, look, here, here's the thing you got to keep an eye on because there, it always, there's a direct correlation between the two, between turnover differential and success in the postseason and beyond. As long as Mac continues to exercise good judgment, the decision-making part of the equation here, and he throws the ball with accuracy, and they don't get decimated by COVID or injuries or something unforeseen, which we all know are, you know, the kind of things that can derail, you know, the best of teams, they will be there. They will be there. And if Bill didn't believe that they could do that, you know, he, he's not trying to build the team for three years down the road. I mean, the guy just went through one of the most hellacious seasons he's ever been through. You talk to him. I talked to him in the production meetings for Monday Night Football. He was miserable. Miserable. You don't want to go through that again. He didn't bring Matt Judon and, and, and um, Kendrick Bourne and Trent Brown. He didn't bring all those guys back just to go, well, you know, we'll be more competitive this year. No, no, he's trying to win. And he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have made this move in order to make Mac the unquestioned starter from day one. If he didn't believe over the course of 17 games, this guy's going to ascend to the point where we're going to be able to challenge for championships because that's the standard up there where you work. The standard is championships, not compete, not competitive, not hope we're good, not blah, it, it's championships, period. There's a difference between competitive and contending, meaning contending right. for championships. And I think you're right. We're on the yep. same page as far as that goes. 
Bill Belichick has no appetite for being a team that's close to 500 again this year. Lewis Riddick, thank you so much for your time. Phenomenal guest this week. You have been on this Mac Jones thing for longer or as long as anybody in the business. So we appreciate you spending some time and sharing some knowledge with us today. Absolutely. It's fun, man. It's fun talking about teams like this and players like this. I appreciate it. Absolutely loved having Lewis Riddick on the podcast. You know you're getting energy from him. You know you're getting insight. You know you're getting information. And again, the background there is unique. And so it made him the absolutely ideal Next Pats guest for this week as we get prepared for the start of the regular season. I do just want to run it back. You guys have heard this description before, but I mentioned it in the conversation with Lewis. The 1991 scouting wish list from Bill Belichick that he gave to his scouts in Cleveland at that time to tell them what he was looking for in certain players at certain positions ahead of the draft. And we have this thanks to Daniel Jeremiah, former Ravens scout. Obviously, the Ravens were at one point in time the Browns. Anyway, the trickle-down effect of the information that passed from one franchise to the other, from Cleveland to Baltimore, finds its way into Daniel Jeremiah's hands. And he tweets this out because he obviously is working for NFL Network now, and he's helping us make sense of the draft year after year. And here's what Bill Belichick's wish list at the quarterback position said. Quarterback, colon, number one is to make good decisions. Then arm, size, physically tough, leadership, someone guys look up to and have confidence in, a real competitor, accurate rather than a guy with a cannon. Emphasis on our game will be on decision-making, timing, accuracy. The guy needs to be confident. Intelligence is important, but not as much as field awareness and judgment. Can't be a sloppy, fundamentally unsound guy with ball handling, techniques, footwork, drops, release, etc. The quarterback has to be able to throw the ball with accuracy. That's Mac Jones to a T. We gave you that description on draft night. Moments after he was drafted, the first round wasn't even done yet. You can go back and you can listen to our podcast, April 30th, Patriots Talk slash Next Pats Pod. Our powers combined that night to put together the best podcast you've ever heard. But in that podcast, Tom Karn asked me at the time, is this going to be the player that starts for the Patriots behind center week one? And I said, at that point in time, I I felt as though it was likely. I felt like he would be the starter because he checks all of these boxes and because Cam Newton just does not. And there are a lot of factors that play into this decision. And obviously it was a competition. It was Cam Newton got his reps. Mac Jones got his reps. Mac Jones got so many reps last week with Cam Newton out that Bill Belichick, I believe, tried to even the scales a little bit by giving Cam Newton the first team reps in the preseason finale. It wasn't a dress rehearsal. It was a continuation of the competition. So Mac Jones gets all the first team reps. You want to look at it in a three-day window. Mac Jones get all, gets all the first team reps on Wednesday against the Giants. He and Cam Newton split first team opportunities on Thursday. They both ran with the first team and got a full drive and an opportunity to score against the Giants' first team defense. That was Thursday. Nothing Friday, nothing Saturday. On Sunday, again, to even the scales, I believe, Bill Belichick allowed Cam Newton to be the first team quarterback, get those first team reps. Then your evaluation period is over. Finito. You have to move on. You have to cut your roster down. You have to push forward and get ready for the Dolphins, as he told me after the game on Sunday night. I asked him what he needs to see more from that position in order to make his decision. He said, we're getting ready for the Dolphins. So it should have been pretty clear at that point that a decision was coming. We just didn't know for sure 
if the decision was going to be to let go of Cam Newton and have Mac Jones be the starting quarterback for week one. Although, again, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, if Mac Jones was going to be the week one starter, it wasn't totally out of the realm of possibility that Cam Newton would find himself elsewhere. Because how much sense does that really make for Bill Belichick, for the rest of his coaching staff, and really specifically for Mac Jones? Does it make a lot of sense to have a rookie whose life is already tough enough as it is to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, in Josh McDaniels' offense, in Bill Belichick's system, in the AFC East, which we expect will be very competitive, with Tom Brady on the docket four weeks into your first season as a pro? Do you really need the shadow of Cam Newton, even if Newton's open to being the backup? Do you really need him there behind Mac Jones with everybody watching? And every time Mac Jones throws an interception, the camera pans to Cam Newton. And maybe even teammates and their gazes pan to Cam Newton. And they start to wonder, well, when is Cam going to get his shot? We really like Cam. He's working hard too. He's got all kinds of experience. That guy won an MVP. Do you need to introduce those complications into the equation here? I don't think so. And so to me, it makes sense to just push forward with Mac as the number one, roll with it that way, have Brian Hoyer as your number two, have Jared Stidham somewhere in the mix. Maybe you add a quarterback down the line, although at this point in the year, I think it's going to be hard to find one that has a lot of talent. People may be wondering about Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that will be an option, but of course, if this week has taught us anything, it's that we need to continue covering this team with the approach of you never say never. And we use what we know about Bill Belichick to know that he's always going to be looking to improve his roster. So maybe they can add another quarterback down the line. But for right now, it is Mac Jones. So let's now hear from Mac Jones's offensive coordinator, his quarterback's coach, as well, it should be pointed out, Josh McDaniels. I had a chance to ask Josh McDaniels a couple questions about his new quarterback, why he feels comfortable with Mac Jones as the guy and I think you're going to find both these answers pretty interesting. So you're going to hear me ask Josh McDaniels a question, an answer, a follow-up, another answer, and then we'll come right back. What are some of the qualities you've seen from Mac, uh, maybe especially over the last couple of weeks of camp, that make you feel comfortable with him as your top quarterback? Well, uh, you know, it, he... I think it's it's an evaluation when you look at the whole uh, body of work since he got here. Um, you know, he really works hard. He puts a lot of time into it. Um, you know, he's been well prepared each day uh, to come in and, and do the things that uh, we ask our guys to do. Um, you know, he's he's learned how to operate um, uh, what we've asked him to operate so far, um, you know, fairly well. Um, and he's improved and he continues to make progress and um, you know, he, he's generally taking care of the football um, and he's, you know, given us an opportunity to, uh, you know, given the other 10 guys on the field an opportunity to, to do their job effectively and uh, produce positive plays. Um, and, you know, he still has a, a lot to learn and a, lo a long way to go in terms of uh, where hopefully we end up going. But um, you know, I really uh, feel confident about uh, his approach, um, his ability to uh, learn, uh, his ability to process information, and really his ability to make a mistake and learn from those too. Because 
that's a never-ending process for, for any player. And, you know, he generally, um, he's a great listener, um, and he, he tries not to make the same mistake twice. Not saying that he never does, um, not saying that he doesn't do that at times, but, um, you know, I think he's, he's really shown a strong aptitude at a young age uh, to try to, to put those mistakes, uh, you know, uh, behind him and then move on and, and, and try to continue to improve uh, as a quarterback. Josh, you obviously got a chance to, to get in so much work last week. How important were those reps and the number of reps that he got there in terms of just confirming some of the things that, that you'd known about him maybe you know for weeks and, and months leading up to that point? But how important was, was that week of practice for Mac in terms of your evaluation as a coaching staff? Well, I think every rep is important. Um, I know he got a few more last week than maybe – what he had uh, received prior to that, but he was getting, you know, like I said, he was getting a big chunk. We were, you know, pretty much splitting it uh, between him and Cam um, for most of the camp, um, you know, and that was uh, kind of how we, we had decided to go into the camp and, and allow it to play out. Um, so he had he had already demonstrated, you know, quite a few of those traits um, and and the level of improvement prior to that, and then. Um, you know, that, that week uh, that he got, you know, the lion's share of it, um, I think he just continued to grow. Uh, not that he didn't – he made mistakes in those practices also, uh, but uh, that's to be expected of, of any young player, or really any player, but specifically any young player. And, uh, you know, thought we had a chance to make some progress uh, off of those mistakes as well. So every rep he takes is, uh, you know, valuable. Um, you know, every young player is in the same boat. Uh, they don't have, uh, you know, a ton of experience um, in every situation. And so the more you can put them in those positions and uh, let them experience those things, the better off they're going to be. So let's look at the second answer first. When Josh McDaniels talks about that week against the Giants that Mac Jones had. To me, it felt like a watershed moment in this quarterback competition when on Wednesday, Mac Jones finished up. He had gone 35 for 40. In competitive periods, he had a long stretch of practice where the football did not hit the ground. And these are not reps that should have an asterisk next to them. He's with the first-team Patriots offense. He's going against the first-team Giants defense. At the end of that practice, it was a hot, steamy, humid practice. He had just thrown a bomb, a dime, down the left sideline to Jacoby Myers between double coverage for a long game, put the team on the doorstep of the goal line. A couple plays later, I always omit this play right after the Jacoby Myers long completion, but a heady play from Mac Jones. He's down deep in the red zone on first down. Nothing's there. He throws it out the back of the end zone. Smart play, veteran type of play. The very next snap, he has James White wide open in the flat for a touchdown. He's gassed. He's had all the reps essentially at quarterback for three practices at this point. He had just finished up what might've been the most intense practice of the summer. I would include the two joint practices with the Eagles in there. We hadn't seen a fully padded practice with that many passes incorporated against another team and another defense in a competitive situation. That to me was the biggest practice of the summer. They all matter. All the reps count. I've said that before. We've heard from Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels about how it's all a composite. It's a mosaic, as Bill Belichick will tell us at times. But that to me 
was the most intense practice of the summer against another competitor. I think you weigh it a little bit more heavily. So he finishes that up. He walks down the sideline by himself, helmet in hand. He's exhausted. It's hot. He takes a knee. His head is down. He's getting handshakes from Demarcus Covington and Dietrich Wise and others on the sideline as the Patriots defense is now on the field against the Giants first team offense. Bill Belichick likes to be behind his defense when he's watching them, usually right next to Matt Patricia. He strolls down the sideline because he wanted a good look at how things were going down by the goal line for his offense, but he walks all the way down the other end of the field. He basically is following Mac Jones, but at a distance. So Jones is on a knee and Bill Belichick, instead of just taking the easy route and being on the field, he could walk right down the middle of the field if he wanted to. He's Bill Belichick and take his place behind his defense. He weaves in and out of players along the sideline. There's about 80 of them at this point in time in the summer. He finds Mac Jones. The defense plays a play. He doesn't want to miss that. So he turns his back to Mac Jones and he watches the first snap. Then when that play is done and he's assessed it, he turns around very quickly, just gives Mac a little bit of a low five while Mac Jones is still on a knee. Maybe he shares a word or two, maybe not. Either way, that's a rare moment. And whether you're talking about Bill Belichick or you're talking about Mac Jones's former coach, Nick Saban, having talked to people at Alabama and who know that program very well, those moments are few and far between. Those coaches are not in the business of handing out attaboys, especially in the middle of practice, especially if it's maybe going to impact their view of a competitive play in a rare joint practice setting at the end of the practice. But that's what Bill Belichick did. And that to me felt like a statement day for Mac Jones. It felt like a watershed day in this quarterback competition. As an onlooker, even as somebody who was supportive of Mac Jones's skill set and supportive of the idea of playing him and playing him early, because in this day and age at that position, you want to try to squeeze as much as you can out of that spot, especially while those guys are on their rookie contracts, because if they're any good after three years, all of a sudden that salary goes through the roof and all of a sudden it gets a lot harder to build around those guys. Even for me to watch that practice, that made me feel like, okay, what more does he have to prove? What more does he have to do to be able to show his staff, to be able to show Bill Belichick that he's ready to go? And if this is really Mac versus Mac, and a question of whether Mac is ready or not, not necessarily is Mac better than Cam. If it's more Mac v. Mac, that was the day where it really looked like you could be comfortable with that guy as your starting quarterback. So we heard a little bit more about it from Josh McDaniels there. And his first answer I thought was interesting too. And one of his statements within that first answer, I thought when you're talking about this quarterback competition in particular, spoke volumes. He said he's generally taking care of the football and he's given the other 10 guys on the field an opportunity to do their job effectively and produce positive plays. Like Bill Belichick's low five that Wednesday against the Giants, that statement from Josh McDaniels may not seem like much. But when you're going against Cam Newton and when Cam Newton is the other option and when a percentage of Cam Newton's throws are not just off the mark, but are uncatchable, or what I've called before non-competitive. When you're just losing plays like that, not on a regular basis and not even at the same rate as you were last year. And, and we were seeing it as, as Patriots viewers and Patriots followers. I would say he had cut down on those, Cam Newton did. But they were still relatively frequent. It wasn't every three or four throws. 
but it was maybe every five or six or seven. And when you're missing that way, and those are just lost plays where you're not even giving your, your teammate a chance to go up and catch the football, make a play along the sideline, make a play in the flat and try to get somebody to miss to convert a third down. When you're losing plays like that, and that's what you're doing when, when those throws are so off the mark, your offense over time, especially suffers because of it. And so I don't think that's a throwaway line from Josh McDaniels. I don't think it's a shot at Cam Newton either. But I think when you're dealing with Mac Jones and we can look at some of the stats from pro football focus, nobody in football at that position had fewer uncatchable throws. Okay. So does that make sense? Fewer uncatchable throws because pro football focus tracks those. Nobody in the preseason had fewer uncatchable throws than Mac Jones. And I know it's just preseason, but when you're always in the mix and you're always giving your teammates an opportunity to make a play, even if it's not the most accurate pass in the world, that's valuable. I remember a coach telling me a few years ago about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is not the most spectacular quarterback in football. That might be Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or maybe now even Josh Allen. But what makes Tom Brady Tom Brady, this coach told me, was he makes the throws he should make all the time. He does not miss the layups. And that may not sound like much, but that is incredibly valuable for an NFL offense in terms of being able to stay on track and ahead of the chains. And for an offensive coordinator, that's gold. And that's what Mac Jones might be for Josh McDaniels as he continues to grow in this offense. Let's hear from one more Patriots assistant. It's a guy you guys know and love. It's someone who I know very well. It's someone who I have had as a co-host on this very podcast before. It's Troy Brown, assistant receivers coach for the New England Patriots. I have a few questions for Troy on Mac Jones. He's obviously coaching the receivers, but he's worked with some great quarterbacks in the past, Tom Brady included. And there have been some interesting quarterback to receiver dynamics that we've followed over the course of training camp when it comes to Mac Jones working with the likes of Jacoby Myers or Kendrick Bourne or Gunnar Olszewski or Nelson Aguilar, where he is not afraid to A, suggest that a receiver may have done something a little bit differently in order to have a better impact on a given route, on a given play, or B, get in the face of his receivers. And all of these guys have more experience than Mac Jones does in the NFL. And we have seen Mac Jones get hot. And it doesn't usually last long. And it always ends well, seemingly. It always ends with him having his arm around the shoulders of one of his receivers. It always ends with a smile. There was a moment in Philadelphia where Mac Jones got, got after Kendrick Bourne a little bit. And what happened after practice when we were talking to Mac Jones in a press conference setting outside, Kendrick Bourne walks by, biggest smile you've ever seen. I love you, Mac. And he keeps going. And Mac Jones sends it back in his direction. But I thought Troy had some really good insight as to why Mac Jones can get away with that kind of interaction with a veteran receiver on the field in front of a lot of eyeballs, where some players may take that as the quarterback, the young, hotshot, first-round pick quarterback is trying to show me up, but that's not how it's taken here from what we understand in New England. And Troy Brown explains why. Let's listen to Troy. I know you're obviously coaching the receivers, but you've got a lot of experience of, of working with quarterbacks over the course of your career. And obviously the quarterback position impacts what the receiver position does quite a bit. So I just wanted to ask you from what you've seen of Mac this summer, what's impressed you about his game? Uh, I just think Mac is—he's—he's uh, he's been incredibly poised. Uh, he's uh, 
been able to improve over the course of our training camp. And uh, he's put in the work and just, uh, you know, been a trusted player for us since he's gotten here. So I think he's just, uh, you know, shown the ability to be a, a good leader and uh, good in the locker room. He's great with the guys. He's great with the receiver group, I know for sure. Um, you know, and uh, just uh, he's just been a tremendous leader. And I guess that's some of the qualities that he had at Alabama. I think he's some of those things are starting to show now. When you say he's been great with the receiver group, what, what kinds of things have you seen from him maybe behind the scenes or even on the field that um, maybe have helped some of those guys along? Obviously, those guys have more experience in the league than he does, but but what is he doing to help them? Well, he's, all, he's, he's always encouraging them. You know, even like we talked, if, if a guy drops a ball, like we just talked about, a guy drops a ball, he's always coming over to encourage them. You know, and uh, he, he has good body language with them and all that stuff and just not really – you know, you know, getting on the guy or coming down on the guy because they dropped the pass, but he's always trying to encourage these guys. And, uh, you know, he's just shown, like I said, he's shown that leadership that you rarely see in uh, young players. So, um, and he's, he's got some of that in him right now. So, yes. One very quick one, Troy, because we've seen him in practice and we were able to watch the practices, have some conversations with guys after maybe it looked like there was a miscommunication or something. Does he have the, the clout with your group to be able to, to make corrections or, or, or point things out to guys that, you know, that maybe he saw differently in real time that way? Does he already have that kind of respect from guys to be able to to function I, in that I, way and interact with others that way? I think our guys have the respect for him to listen when he does do that. So, uh, and, and they know when they're out on the football field that whatever the quarterback says goes. So, and our guys are great like that as well. So, um, you know, so he's Mac, whatever Mac earns is what Mac gets. So, and obviously, he's earned the, the right to, to be here as the quarterback of this football team. And uh, the players in my position will respect that. And, you know, they'll listen to Mac and take his advice and what he decides to do or what he wants to do. And he calls the shots when they're on the field. I thought it was really important to get Troy Brown's insight and his perspective on how the young quarterback works with his receivers. Because, again, he's lived it. He's been there. He's living it now. But think about where Troy Brown was as a veteran receiver, as a linchpin guy for that offense, as a security blanket for Tom Brady when Tom Brady comes in for Drew Bledsoe in 2001. Why does he have respect for Tom Brady? Why does Tom Brady have command of the huddle? Why is he able to act the way he acts and bring passion to the field and passion to the meetings and passion to the locker room? And why are his teammates able to respond to him back in 2001? Well, it's because of all these things that, that he was doing off the field that we now know he was doing off the field and that he continued to do for about 20 years. Is Mac Jones Tom Brady? No. Will this Patriots offense be what it was with Tom Brady? No, not right away. But can it be something approaching what it was in 2001? Could it be even a little bit better than that? I think it could. Again, you're not getting peak Tom Brady with Mac Jones. You're not getting six Super Bowl championships. You're not getting a Super Bowl appearance every other year. You're getting a competent NFL starting caliber quarterback, though, and you're getting it early in Mac Jones, in my opinion, based on what we've seen, based on everything we've heard, whether it's Josh McDaniels, Lewis Riddick, Troy Brown. We've been talking about this player going back to January and December, and we're talking to Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl. We're talking to Mike Rodak, who's down there covering Nick Saban's program every single day. We're hearing from Charlie Weiss, who has all kinds of love for Mac Jones. Rodney Harrison was all kinds of love for Mac Jones on next Pat's here, Steve Sarkeesian, 
comes on with us and tells us what he can do at the line of scrimmage, Mac Jones is incredibly rare. And so we know you've been following along with the podcast. We know you're not surprised that he's ready to go. You might've been surprised that the Patriots decided to part with Cam Newton, but you're not surprised that he's ready to go and that he's a type of quarterback who has a floor that would make Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels and others comfortable with him being the starting quarterback for week one. So we appreciate you following along this Mac Jones journey with us over the course of the last several months here on Next Pats. And now it only continues. Now we only continue to get opportunities to evaluate what we're seeing, break down what we're hearing, everything that's happening in these games, figuring out where this offense goes from here. And does it take the track that we think it's going to take, that Josh McDaniels seems to think it's going to take? How does he handle the ups and downs? Because there are going to be downs. He's not the perfect prospect. We've talked about that many times. We understand what the physical limitations are. We understand, even though he's not a consistent error repeater, that he has had a few moments where he's repeated errors. Delay a game penalty against the Giants in practice. Delay a game penalty against the Giants in the preseason game. But we think, based on what we've heard about him, he can clean those things up. He can learn from his mistakes. And he's going to grow over time. So he's the starter week one. By the time you get to week 10, 11, 12, when Bill Belichick, we know, is hoping that his team really picks up steam, where his team is really hitting its stride and playing its best football, you may have not just a capable starting caliber NFL quarterback, but you may have a good one. And so following along, the continuation of that journey will be a lot of fun. We'll be doing it right here on Next Pets. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. Please rate, comment, subscribe, tell your friends. We'll talk to you next week. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.